Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm your host on Talk Architecture Podcast, direct from the Kasharina Maru Hotel in Ipoh Para, Malaysia. Well, I've attended a meet, uh, sort of an event, and I gave a keynote speech on the barriers and challenges to mainstream, men's, mainstream disability in the context of Sustainable Development Goals 2030, which is the agenda set by United Nations and signed by many countries in the world, including Malaysia. So this inherently is an agenda for Malaysia and an agenda for the Northern Corridor Implementation Agency, which is under the Northern Corridor um, NC Economic Region. Um, there are four states involved, Perlis, Kedah, Penang, and Ipoh. Oh, sorry, Pera. <coughs> sorry for all the mistakes there. Well, I'm overlooking um, the window of my bedroom or guest room at this hotel, and I can see Banjaran Titiwangsa or the Titiwangsa um, mountain range. And beyond that, you can, if you traverse that, you can come to the east coast of Malaysia and the other states in Malaysia Peninsula. Now, the barriers and challenges to mainstream disability I outlined in the keynote speech to be five. One, legislation. One, the second is the planning, hence the budgeting. A third, the implementation. Fourth, it is the um, consultation with stakeholders. And five is the aging population. When we talk about anything we do now, we are looking at the increasing aging population. I will talk about that later. But first, I focus on the legislation or the lack of um, bite to the current legislation, which is the Persons with Disabilities Act 2008. It has been around, but it has problems. And one of them is harmonization of that act with the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities Funny enough, CRPD by the United Nations was created in 2006 and the PWD Act in Malaysia could have harmonized better because it was enacted in Parliament in Malaysia in 2008. Of, of, uh, obviously, there were things developing at that time, but the documentation could have been had uh, and could have been better done so that there's more bite to the legislation. So there was a recent article that I referred to in the Malaysian Insight uh, regarding how far behind Malaysia um, 
is compared uh, compared to countries in the Asian and Pacific region, uh, specifically the ASEAN region. So in that article, which is well-researched, I quoted from that article the lack of um, implementation, um, the, la- uh, the problem with it not being harmonized with the CRPD and so on. Basically, what I'm saying is we need an anti-discrimination act or a disability discrimination act because it says it on the tin. It says it clearly that this act is an administrative act. It says persons with disabilities act, but it is really an administrative act. And the seat of power or the the where the power comes from is the Ministry of Women, uh, Family and Community Development. And it is controlled by the minister per se, presiding over a council of 10 people appointed by the minister um, from the community and from organizations to deal with disability. And the critical thing here is that eight of the members in this um, council now, um, 2023, are non-disabled persons. And um, only two are disabled persons. So it has been not adhered to on not being critical of appointing people who are from uh, who are disabled or from the disabled persons organization in particular we insist that nothing about us without us so that's the mantra so it is not a surprise that this is a toothless act they call it the toothless tiger Whatever it is, it doesn't have any bite. So you need an anti-discrimination act. And you need to have the disability commissioner, a redress mechanism, such as a tribunal that is independent and not controlled by, you know, interested parties. I mean, it should be as autonomous as possible. If you have a disability commission, it needs to be directly answerable to the parliament, not occupied by one ministry and has problems from the beginning 2008 until now 2023 of multi-sectoral collaboration between the ministries it is so difficult to get things going and then i go to the next point which is the planning and and uh, budgeting issues and always we refer to the voluntary registration not a proper way to find out exactly how many disabled persons are there in the country. So I quoted that the uh, World Health Organization um, estimate that in a country, 16% of the population are disabled persons. Then I also quoted some research of projection of elderly persons in the country by 2040 to be 17%. And also cited that in the United States, it is um, found that 70% of people age uh, from 65 years and above are disabled persons. So when we put things together, 33% of the population need 
accessibility, need universal design, need those special consideration, which should be a normal consideration now and embedded in this third part is the implementation and the standardization uh, from benchmarking what is the acceptable level of accommodation and design and services for persons with disabilities. If you look at persons with disabilities as an insignific insignificant minority group, you're not including people in the SDG goals. Hence, you know, I had to rush it yesterday, so I'm rushing it now too. But that is the third point, which is the implementation part. Um, in the planning part, it is budgeting. So you're going to budget for 1% to 2%, and it's estimated that maximum 3% of persons with disabilities in a state in Malaysia, but often it's 1% to 2%. And this is kind of like sad because there is lack of urgency to do this. But when you think about the aging population, which is the fifth point, and the light of a lot of other countries in the ASEAN region, such as Singapore, has been um, planning for the, a the aging population, in fact, for 2015. And they've done so uh, quite a number of years ago. So even 2015, when they started with the SDGs, they were already realized and started planning and budgeting for it. Now, when I said earlier about the legislation, what's the difference between this toothless legislation that we have in Malaysia with other legislation um, uh, in, in the ASEAN region? As we can see, in Thailand and Indonesia, they don't have the power lodged in the Ministry of Women and Family Com Community Development like we have in Malaysia. The persons with disabilities are well represented, well heard, and they're able to control the discussion, the dialogue, and uh, their destiny, the future of disabled person in that country. You know, huge, a country, a huge population such as Indonesia needing to have that power um, autonomous from a certain ministry. And so is Thailand. We have the compulsory uh, inclusion of disabled person in that um, under the Empowerment Act that they have. When we have other states, uh, sorry, other countries in the Asian and Pacific region, such as India and Korea, they have disability commissions in order to get the government to have due diligence on um, their role and their functions to get disabled persons to participate in society. There's a huge country, India. How are they going to do it? But they know that they need to have that power or center of power where concentration is needed to help persons with disabilities get the control of their destiny in each of these countries. So then the last one, the aging population, if you if you add the population of elderly person, as you know, disability is an evolving concept and the problem of equal participation is um, based on the, the challenges and the barriers of attitudes, which is linked to physical barriers, obviously. Also communication barriers. So 
when we think about that and the aging population, the social protection of the most vulnerable groups of people, especially, especially those who are the urban poor and not having the social security or social protection that one need to survive in the old age, for example. This thing is something that if we live, leave it to chance or not plan for it, there will be a disaster in terms of the social situation in the country. So that is all I have to discuss regard what I gave, the speech that I gave. In fact, the speech was very limited in time and all the points I've given in this podcast um, is similar to the speech I gave. Of course, I showed a bunch of slides of involvement in doing the universal design bus stop, involvement doing a multi-generational housing with the, um, a certain developer and all these other images of us. Consultation with the stakeholders and the stakeholders are many and include disabled persons themselves. So it's great to see local authorities consulting disabled persons when they do a project and also uh, collaboration between um, small businesses and the local authorities in order to, um, in order to uh, fulfill the objectives that is needed. So thank you for listening. And I hope that this is an interesting topic for everyone to consider. You may be in a country where it's already advanced, but now you know about the situation in Malaysia. You may be a disabled person who wants to know about this. You may be um, a postgraduate student wanting to, to research on a topic from the built environment profession or an architectural trained person. So you would like to know the topics of universal design and accessibility. You can find it in my LinkedIn, in my Facebook, Nanziati Muhammad Yaakob, or follow me on Instagram at rediscover underscore architect. And we need to put it out there. This conversation needs to be um, something that is consciously being thought of and especially for those who are uh, do functions and roles are the implementers of uh, design and services in this country so with that thank you very much for listening